boxed, ready for Saturday morning's Greyhound Racing Wrap. Across Victoria, RSN 927 is talking Greyhounds. Here's Simone Fisher. Uh, yes, Simone Fisher is back in the house, refreshed. She's got a bit of sun on her back over in the UK, and she's as fresh as a daisy. Simone, welcome back. Oh, nice to be here, Trent. Uh, good to be working with you too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, had a nice little break, and gee, you've missed some outstanding greyhound action. I'm sure you kept across it from abroad, but uh, been plenty happening. There sure has. Look, I did take a little bit of a break from it, to be honest. I needed to just um, have some headspace without looking at racing all the time. But uh, I did keep across the major things and, uh, look, full on back into it this week, up at 6 o'clock in the morning doing the dogs the night after I got home. So it's um, yeah, all in the past now. We've got a busy <laughs> show ahead. What's coming up on today's show? Sure have. Today I'll be talking to Scott Parker, who's the CEO of Greyhounds Australasia, about the cl- closure of the Canadrome track in Macau and what it means for Australian greyhounds that are over there. And also to I'll be chatting to Jason Adams from Sandown after the McKenna Memorial on Thursday night. And what's been making news in the world of greyhounds? Well, obviously the McKenna Memorial was run at Sandown and taken out by Out of Range at the odds of almost $12. He's already won two Group 1s and he's CV now boasts almost $300,000 in stakes. That was for the Thompson camp there. 12 heats of the maturity will be run tonight at the Meadows, the first in a three-week series. So um, we don't always have three-week series here, Trent, but um, we are this time. This is for young greyhounds, both dogs and bitches. Some notable entries include Belt Up Bubs and Orson Allen in heat three, Percy's Empire in heat six, Dinah Patty heat seven, and My Redeemer in heat eight. So looking forward to the racing at the Meadows tonight. Yeah, it's always uh, an outstanding series. Looking forward to that as well. And uh, tell us a little bit uh, bit about this uh, big story that's sort of been happening. Well, upon arriving in Melbourne at the airport at about 11 o'clock on Monday night, I was greeted by a large screen when I was about to pick up my baggage. Um, You know, the fate of 600 Australian greyhounds. I thought, oh no, you know, you just think what is going on. You do, you do cringe. And then it wasn't actually flicking back up. Mm. So i didn't get the full story until the next day, but um, there's about between four and 600 Australian greyhounds that are in Macau and their fate is a little bit in limbo at the moment after the racetrack has been closed there. And the racetrack's been closed because people are not gambling and betting on the greyhounds like they once used to. There's so many other forms of entertainment. They've got, I think, like a mini Las Vegas there. So I'll be discussing that shortly with Scott Parker, a very complex issue indeed. Uh, GRV are conducting age prize money meetings throughout July and August in order to maximise the opportunities for all greyhounds racing. Uh, So greyhounds who have achieved similar stake money earnings will compete against one another in what can be seen as a a fairer system. There's a lot more information on the website. Um, You can have a look at that. Warrigal Greyhound Racing Club are hosting a National Adoption Day on August the 5th from 11 till 1. There'll be about 25 dogs up for adoption. So once again, if people are looking, is this the right greyhound for the family to adopt, they can go along and uh, suss it out. They do need to register information on the website as well. But um, like we always say, Trent, it's very hard to go to these things oh, and yeah. not come You'll back get with one. a dog. You'll get one for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's right. And speaking of Gap, Larissa Dara is celebrating her 20 years in the position of Gap manager. And I met Larissa before she actually took on that role when she just first got into um, this new position of organising foster carers. And um, she came to our property many a time with a dog in the back back of the car and, you know, swapping them over and picking them up. So well done to Larissa. Um, it it's been, I'm sure it's had plenty of challenges, but to be there 20 years and doing a job like that uh, must be very re- rewarding as well. 
Hillsville Greyhound Racing Club are conducting their annual Women in Racing luncheon on July 22nd. Uh, the club manager there, Cynthia O'Brien, really likes to acknowledge the women in the industry that make a contribution to the sport. And uh, further to my discussion with John Thwaites a few weeks ago about Australian greyhounds heading to the UK to contest the English Derby, I actually spoke to the English Derby sponsor, Ben Keith, when I was over in London. Um, he was disappointed when I did say, look, realistically, I don't think you're going to get any Australian dogs. And um, for him to understand that the stake money here is so high, um, you know, he boasted our English Derby is worth, I think it was £175,000, something mm-hmm. like, around about $350,000. Yep. And I said, well, our Melbourne Cup's worth, you know, 630,000 this year. I said, our lowest grade races. He was absolutely dumbfounded by what, you know, our maidens running for around 825 and our lowest grade week in, week out. I said, you know, you can have a, a, an ordinary dog, an average dog, you know, turn over 30 or 40,000 here. Um, and even people like to hang on to their hobby dogs just to go to tier three meetings. So I said, I, I really don't think it's going to happen. It sounds terrific. Um, but he was blown away and asked, where did that? Where does that money come from? And, of course, it's a betting turnover here through the tab. But, um, yeah, quite phenomenal when you think that they're doing it in a completely different way, a completely different system. What's making news around the kennels? And joining me on the line now, I have Scott Parker, who is the CEO of Greyhounds Australasia. Good morning, Scott. Thanks for joining us on Talking Greyhounds. Hi, Simone. My pleasure. Uh, once again, Greyhound Racing and Greyhounds have made mainstream media news, perhaps in not the best light again, Scott, but uh, the closure of the Canadrome track in Macau has presented some possible problems for 400 to 600 Australian Greyhounds. Can you just tell us a little bit more about the situation? Uh, Yes, Um, we have been working for over 12 months to uh, try and do a couple of things. Um, We wanted to uh, help as best we can facilitate the return of um, as many Australian, uh, ex-Australian racing greyhounds as we could. Um, But in order to do that, we needed to understand two things. We needed the greyhound identifications confirmed. So uh, you say four to 600, and we've heard those numbers as well. But we did need to know exactly how many, so what each um, the uh, the um, uh, originating jurisdiction of each greyhound. We needed to know that, absolutely. We also needed to know um, from a local dog behaviourist, so somebody similar to people employed by the GAP programs around the, the country, um, we needed their advice as to the suitability for uh, rehoming, just uh, in the same way as we do through our gaps. Um, without those two bits of information, we're a bit stuck. We're not in the business of rehoming go- uh, greyhounds that are unsuitable for rehoming, and obviously we're not in the business of rehoming greyhounds that um, weren't originally Australian. And, and having said all of that, our priority still needed to be the rehoming of greyhounds that were retiring. Uh, in Australia anyway. Uh, but we were willing to work with Animals Australia to uh, try and um, get those things done. And uh, we also sought that advice directly from Canadrome Management. And unfortunately, uh, neither uh, through Animals Australia or directly to the Canadrome Management, um, neither of those efforts uh, bore fruit. So I think it's only a week and a bit out from the um, closure of the venue 
and uh, we're unfortunately no further advanced in getting some of those greyhounds rehomed here in Australia. Disappointing to hear this far. Hopefully things will improve. But there's a couple of glaring anomalies here, Scott. And the first one is that Greyhounds Australasia haven't issued passports since 2012. So either the greyhounds racing over in Macau at the moment have been maybe six to eight years old. Um, something just doesn't add up there. No, well, we, uh, Greyhounds Australasia, stopped issuing passports to Macau in 2013 under a temporary suspension, and that was after um, Greyhounds Australasia representatives visited the Canadrome and determined firsthand that the welfare standards there weren't up to Australian standards. The GA board accepted the recommendation that um, a temporary suspension be put on uh, issuing passports to Macau. At the end of a um, comprehensive report of a number of overseas jurisdictions' welfare standards. It was a recommendation, again, accepted by the GA board that that suspension um, continue until such time as uh, the Canadrome was brought up to uh, Australian standards. Uh, they never did that to our satisfaction. So really ever since early 2013, um, it's been illegal under the GARs, the national rules, to export a greyhound to Macau. And we've seen the result of of uh, some of the investigative work um, out of a couple of our jurisdictions recently, namely um, GRNSW in particular, that um, have penalised people that have been associated with exports to uh, either Macau or China. And we don't export greyhounds to China. Um, we don't issue passports to China either because they're an unregulated, unregulated jurisdiction. So, yes, if there are... Um, Greyhounds that um, emanated from Australia that have been racing in Macau and arrived after early 2013, they've gone there uh, against the rules of greyhound racing. The other anomaly, Cray, oh, Scott, is that uh, Animals Australia have probably been what you would call the nemesis to greyhound racing here in, in Australia, but they have been taking on more of a welfare role, haven't they, more so than an activist role, which is good to hear. But they have been good um, in in um, you know in export issues more generally. They've supported us with our um, attempts to get uh, federal intervention to change legislation. So at the gate, um, there's a requirement for the exporter to show industry approval by virtue of having a passport issued. Um, that that does require legislative change, and they've been very supportive of our attempts at getting that change. In fact, helped uh, draft. Um, uh, uh, legislation that would suit that purpose. They've identified dogs that they believe to be ex-Australian. They've gone to regulators directly to say, did we know uh, that those greyhounds were now in Macau and racing? Um, and um, and uh, more recently, to try and get those ex-Australian greyhounds back to Australia, or at least some. Um, they've been uh, they've been quite good in uh, in supporting those efforts and getting us to recognise the need for us or our, our member bodies to do as much as uh, could be done to get those Australians or some of those Australian greyhounds back here. So um, in, in this case, uh, we, uh, we are working together. We're mutually supportive. We've got a common interest, of course, in the welfare of greyhounds no matter where they are. So, uh, yes, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's often a challenge to work with activists and, and Animals Australia in particular, but in this case they have been supported. Well, that's good to hear too. Now, watching the footage um, from the 7.30 report on Monday night, the greyhounds on the track in Macau actually looked to be 
in good condition. Um, in the kennels, they look to be quite healthy and happy. They, um, okay, the kennels didn't look like they would here in Australia, but uh, it's good to hear also that there is a welfare organisation in Hong Kong that is helping facilitate this as well. I mean, that's something that, you know, maybe 10 years ago, welfare of animals over in that country is probably not something that we had heard of. And um, the fact that it is gaining a little bit of momentum it must give you some hope. Yeah, I think the the you know the fundamental thing about greyhound welfare in terms of racing is having them fit and healthy and performing at their best. That's been the traditional uh, view of of uh, people here in Australia, and it's been the view of people in Macau. I'm sure it's it's more issues around um, full life cycle management that uh, we had concerns about when we visited and asked a lot of questions back in 2012, and obviously. Um, that's uh, you know it's an ongoing challenge for the Australian industry um, to uh, ensure that full life cycle management is uppermost in everybody's mind, and there's obviously been significant progress in a number of areas of the country and New Zealand to uh, to uh, ensure that full life cycle management is is uppermost in people's mind, and they're not just breeding uh, for racing purposes, albeit that's a, you know that's a core responsibility of owners and trainers to have them uh, fit and ready to race to their best ability uh, but it's also um, you know we are living in a, in a in a world nowadays where responsibility for more than just that is expected of us and uh, regulators are absolutely not shying away from that and now increasingly our participants as well recognize the need for a for a, a, a full life cycle approach to, to greyhound welfare and it's really it comes down to it in the end, and, and this is the crux of the issue at the moment in Macau, is that there hasn't been a rehoming capability there of any sort. There was never any intention to rehome greyhounds that had finished their racing career in Macau, unlike now in Australia where that's the expectation almost universally around the country. Mm. Look, it's a very complex um, issue, uh, Scott, and I'm sure, like you've mentioned, you're doing everything you can. But just quickly before we go, can you just tell us, uh, do you know what the next step is now? Look, we, we are, we've been pretty patient. We've uh, chased Animals Australia on a number of occasions to try and get these greyhounds identified and uh, for the uh, dog behavioralists to, to get in there and do those assessments. We're still hoping that that can be done. The problem, as I understand it, is that access has been limited and it's been, um, I think it's been deliberately so, and there's not a lot we can do here in Australia to force Canadrome, Canadrome's management to, to open their gates um, at the will of even the local animal welfare group, let alone Animals Australia here or the, uh, the national body or any of our member regulators. So we're a bit, we're a bit hamstrung. We do remain... Uh, willing to help. Uh, we're willing to help facilitate as best we possibly can. Animals Australia knows that. Anima, uh, the local welfareers, know that. The Canadrome management know that. And we're just hoping that in the short amount of time available, we can get some um, Australian greyhounds back here that are capable of being rehomed. Uh, let's hope so, Scott. Look, I, 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 there's plenty more to talk about. I'd love to have you on the show again um, in a couple of weeks, perhaps, to see if there's any progress. I'd love to, Simone. We can talk further about um, a recent uh, review of uh, the GA passport scheme and related export issues, if that's of interest. 
Uh, I'd love to, Scott. Um, we'll have to leave it there, but uh, thank you very much for your time this morning on Talking Greyhounds, and I, I know this isn't the um, the last we've heard of it. Thank you. I don't think so. Thanks for your interest, Simone. Love your doggies? The Greyhound Leader, RSN 927. Talking Greyhounds is presented by Christmas in July at the Meadows. Enjoy the lip-smacking Christmas buffet for just $45 and exhilarating greyhound racing every Saturday night in July. Book now on 93 or at themeadows.org.au. RSN 927's Talking Greyhounds with Simone Fisher. All right, Simone, it's uh, that time of the week again. Fast times, what have you got for us today? Well, not as many as usual, Scott. The tracks are, I guess, a little bit slower with the colder weather, but uh, there are a few. Big flood at 25.54 at Warrigal over the 4.60 for Shona Thompson. Lila Bale at 29.83 over the 5.25 at the Meadows for Andrea Daly. Autocrat at 21.92 at Shepparton for Craig Traherne in, uh, over the 4.50 there, sorry. And Miriam at 34.16 for William McMahon over the 5.95 at Sandown. It's the expert pick, Simone's Run of the Week. Run of the Week time, Simone. Who have you got for us today? Oh, I, I couldn't decide out of two, Trent. Um, hot tip at the Meadows on Saturday night. He won off an eight-metre handicap over the distance there. A terrific run and also that run of out of range in the McKenna Memorial at Sandown Thursday night. Speaking of Sandown, let's head now to Sandown, their racing and communications officer, and catch up with Jason Adams. <laughs> What's making news around the kennels? Thanks for joining us, Jason, on Talking Greyhounds this morning. A big night at Sandown on Thursday night with the McKenna Memorial Run over the 5.95. It was a bit of an upset. It was a bit of an upset, Simone. It was one by out of range, of course, and he was just so, so good in the way he won it. He, he led from go to woe. He really found himself in a, a commanding position earlier on, and I think leading into the race, we really thought it was an open race, and I think it even burst even more further open as soon as Tornado Tears missed the start and, and out of range found the front. But look, just the way he kicked, of course, he was challenged by Neo Cleo down the back straight, and there he really said, No, nah, you're not getting past me. He had a little bit of a flat spot mid race, but just the way he finished off with strength and and determination was uh, really good to watch. Oh, it certainly was. He's already run won two Group 1s, now a Group 2 as well. His stakes have gone up to just under $300,000, and um, not very often a Thompson Greyhound runs around and wins at $11.90. Oh, too right. And, and <laughs> I think credit to them as well. Like he, he Obviously, he stepped up to the 700 metres, um, dropped back to the 600. It's not often we see Greyhounds have a heap, heap of success when they when they drop back in distance. So a credit to them. And I also want to credit um, Mick and Darren Pulio as well. Of course, the owners and breeders of Out of Range. I was speaking with Mick Pulio uh, after the win, and he was going through what he does with his pups. And he puts a lot of work, a lot of care into the way they're brought up. And we obviously obviously see it come to fruition on the racetrack. This is a terrific leader. And I said to Mick last night, I said, be proud of Out of Range, but also be proud of yourself and Darren. You've done a terrific job with this litter, of course. Without a range, his brother poked a bear. It's a great leader. They've won a lot of group races, a lot of prize money, and only two and a half, so they've still got a lot of racing ahead of them. They sure have. I guess the hard luck story, of course, was Tornado Tears. But, look, realistically, Jason, I know it's easy to say in hindsight, but he was probably always going to be a little bit of a risk. Um, he's not always the best of beginners. Um, over the 700, he's got a lot more room and margin for error, and he's just a- a- amazing. But... You know, coming back with a, a few more of the sprinting types um, early, it was probably going to be a hard task. 
For sure. I think after what he did up in Brisbane and the standard he set, it would have taken uh, Fernando Bale-like efforts to maintain the standard like that. Of course, he went up, broke the track records, um, come back down here. He was good in his heat. He was really good winning that. But, look, he probably started unders, I think, in the final. When we go to look at it, I thought it was overs during the week. But when you start to weigh it up, and as you said, it's easy to look at in hindsight. Um, yeah, he's not faultless. There's a lot of sprinters stepping up. And, um, yeah, he's not robots. And uh, he just missed the start, copped the bump early. He still ran on pretty well, but I think certainly not chinking in his armour. I don't think this is going to affect him too much going forward. I think he'll just walk straight into the National Distance Series uh, with heats on the 2nd of August here at Sandown Park. And look, he's probably better over that, that staying distance. As you said, Simone, he just has that option to get out in front and really make the race his own. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was not a bad run at all. I, I noted the steward, steward's report um, noted it as a disappointing run, but I don't think it was. It's not that the dog was flat or that the dog was underdone. The dog just didn't get that run in the race. And, you know, he needed that extra 120 metres, I think, to, um, you know, to really be able to get around them. It just wasn't his night, though, uh, Tornado Tears. But have you heard of what out of range or where out of range might be heading? Like, uh, obviously the Nationals, but do you think that they'll keep him over the sprint now, Jason, or will they trial him up and get him ready for the 700 at the Nationals? Yeah, if he does go to the Nationals, I think the only option for him is to go into the sprint race. I spoke to uh, Jason Thompson last night. I said, do you step him up to the 700 again for the Nationals? He said, no, probably not. I think not because he doesn't have confidence in the dog running over the 700. It was more leaning towards, why would you race over that trip when you got the likes of uh, Tornado Tears and Rip and Sam just running all the features? I think he's just taking a little bit of a conservative option and, and saying, I'm not sure if you're doing the drop him back to the sprint, but kind of avoid that and maybe look for something else. Yeah, fair enough. No, probably um, a, a good move there as well. Considering some of the greyhounds that do come interstate, from interstate, you know, sometimes there can be a, a lucky runner. Um, so maybe the, the standard might not be as hard as if it was just a, you know, like a top gun field or something like that. But um, having said that, Jason, and no disrespect to our interstate runners or even our runners for for that fact, um, you know, it could just be a red-hot cracking field and very hard to win as well. Absolutely, and I think even with the style that out-of-range races in, like if he races over 700, he needs to lead clearly in every race he's in to be able to win this race. And especially if he, if he wants to step up and go to the national distance, he's going to have to lead all of them clearly because there's a lot of them, um, just like we have Rip and Sam Tornado Tuesday, they're just faster than him, that's the reality. They're just faster mm. than him. So he's going to have to get a big break and, and rely on luck. So I think the Thompsons are kind of probably applying it a smart way and looking for other options. Yeah, and they certainly know what they're doing. There's absolutely no doubt there and um, we'll do what's best for the greyhound. Anyway, thank you very much, Jason. I know it was a big night for you, but appreciate you coming on this morning. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Simone. Time now for our dog to follow. You, of course, weren't here, Simone, but Jason had a dog to follow for us. That's right. It was often imitated. It's in heat two of the maturity tonight. Uh, jumps from box eight. And my dog to follow this week is Fabrico, who's in a final of the Cranbourne to Sandown series next Thursday night at Sandown. He has box seven. He did find uh, trouble early in his heat, but won convincingly. And have you got a best bet for us? Sure have. Dinah Patty at the Meadows tonight, race seven, number eight. She has plenty of speed at her best to cross, and it's easier than most or some of her most recent races. RSN 927's Talking Greyhounds with Simone Fisher. Talking Greyhounds is presented by Christmas in July at the Meadows. Enjoy the lip-smacking Christmas buffet and electrifying greyhound racing every Saturday night up to Maturity Classic final night, July 28. 
Book now on 93555 or at au. So, man, that wraps up today's show. Time flies when you're having fun. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me, and we'll do it all again next week. Thank you, and don't forget, Trent. Keep those tails wagging. And we'll take a break here on RSN 927. When we come back, we're talking trots with Jason Bonington and Mick Howard filling in for Blake Redden. We'll be uploading the best of today's Talking Greyhounds to rsn.net.au.